What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Matt's Mishmash Podcast. In today's episode, I have the distinct pleasure of sharing an interview I conducted with I'm Possible Skills trainer Zach Leach. Zach is the owner of the Hoop Lab and co-host of the Dish and Dimes podcast with Gary Linton. Zach and Gary were kind enough to let me set up shop at the lab to record my first on-site interview, and I'm incredibly grateful to both of them. My conversation with Zach is the first in a two-part series that explores the journey of young, aspiring athletes and the importance of skills enhancement as a part of that process. The second episode will feature my discussion with Gary, where we examine the challenges faced by the parents who were shepherding their children along the paths towards their athletic dreams. As sports fans, I'm sure the vast majority of us have had aspirations of playing professionally, whether it was pretending that we were hitting a Game 7 buzzer beater to win the title, or just daydreaming during class. Few among us, though, took active steps towards making those dreams into a reality, and fewer still actually reached the upper echelons of the respective sports we pursued. Simply put, becoming an elite athlete is hard, and it's getting only more difficult as advancements in training and technology provide more opportunities for the best to get better. As I've mentioned before, I looked forward to coaching my kids at the rec level to help to give them a foundation to build off of. I was hoping just to instill a strong work ethic in them, and, with any luck, to see them develop their own passion for the game that mirrored my own. What I didn't anticipate was how deeply they would fall in love with basketball, and how quickly they would develop beyond my ability to help them to improve. I recognized my limitations early on with Tim, and I knew that, for all I could teach him about the game, I lacked the necessary skill set to build his technical ability. Fortunately, we were introduced to skills enhancement training, and I saw right away that this was going to be the key to any future success my kids might have in the sport. I bought into both the mindset and the methodology of the impossible way from that very first session, and I firmly believe that, wherever they wind up along the basketball continuum, my kids will have their skills trainers to thank for getting them there. The game has evolved so much since I first started playing 25 years ago, and skills enhancement is an integral part of every modern player's development. We've moved into an era of positionless basketball. Gone are the days when the center never handled the ball and three-point shooting was considered a luxury. Now, you have guys who are 6'10 with better handles than some point guards a full foot smaller who were considered superstars in the 90s. Players once considered unicorns are quickly becoming the norm. Carl Anthony Towns, in particular, just won the three-point contest during this year's All-Star Weekend, and you're just as likely to see him crossing an opponent up and diving to the rim for a dunk as you are watching him post up as a prototypical big man would. Victor Oladipo went from being a high-flying Skywalker to a skilled ball handler and more complete player overall, thanks in part to skills enhancement. There's so much more to it, too, than simply dribbling a ball. The way Zach and Gary approach training at the Hoop Lab goes well beyond the basics. They incorporate elements that, to the uninitiated, would look completely unrelated to the game of basketball, whether it's the use of weighted tennis balls or med balls, cones or hurdles. They all serve a purpose, though one that is centered largely upon helping players to build a greater diversity of mental and physical connections, all of which serve to make them quicker and more adept at navigating the court with the ball in their hands. One of my high school gym teachers who played basketball professionally overseas once told me that the best compliment that you can receive as a basketball player is when an opponent can't tell whether you're right-handed or left-handed. Ambidexterity is so much more commonplace now. Of course you have players like Stephen Kyrie, Sue Bird, and Paige Beckers who were silky smooth with both hands, But even bigger players like Jimmy Butler, LeBron, KD, and Giannis have all demonstrated that they are adept, going in any direction, and using either hand. It's no longer enough simply to be tall, long, and athletic. In order to succeed, you really need to develop a complete game, to fill out the tool bag with as many implements as you can. I watched Jack practicing with his travel team the other night and saw him cross a kid over and finish with a right-handed layup over a defender. And then, on the very next play, when they cut off that part of the lane, he went left and attempted a left-handed layup. None of this is innate. These are things I've seen him do hundreds if not thousands of times in the lab. My kids all have a long, long way to go when it comes to improving their games, but they've also covered quite a bit of ground over the past few years, and it's all thanks to their skills enhancement. I had the chance to sit down and speak with Zach about his journey to the Hoop Lab and to reflect on the time that my kids have spent with him. We covered everything from the varying challenges of working with NBA players to what makes the I'm Possible approach unique and its track record proven across the basketball landscape. We also covered some controversial topics, such as whether New Jersey or Zach's native Michigan does it better when it comes to everything from bagels and pizza to beer and beaches. So please enjoy my interview with Zach and tune into my next episode that will feature Mr. Gary Linton, the other integral half of the Hoop Lab equation, when we take a deep dive into what it takes to raise a D1 basketball player and the challenges we face as parents supporting our aspiring athletes along their professional sports paths.
So today, I have the distinct pleasure, the absolute honor, of speaking with a true basketball artist. He's a professor of pump fakes, a connoisseur of crossovers, the sultan of skills training, and a lord of layups? He's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Zach Leach. So how's it going, Zach? It's going well, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, you're the owner of the Hoop Lab, New Jersey's premier skills training location, and co-host of the Dish and Dimes podcast with Gary Linton. How and when did you get involved with skills training? Uh, my first time getting involved with skills training was in 2009, actually. I was uh, going to be a freshman in high school, and that's when I met uh, Michael Lancaster, who at the time was working with Nike um, and Gannon Baker, a trainer down. He resides now in Florida. Micah was the first guy to ever show us what kind of skill enhancement was. Um, we didn't really know the definition at that time, but I just knew it was fun. It was a challenge. In my mind, it gave me the little edge over the competition that I needed, you know, not being the tallest guy. That was, that was my first uh, kind of interaction with skill enhancement. Um, now, as a trainer, um, I did it right after college in around, I want to say it was 2015, 16 that's when I started getting into the certification process with Michael Lancaster at Impossible Training. Now, what would you say separates the Impossible approach from other styles of skills enhancement? What separates it is it's more detailed and it's more drawn out, meaning, um, you know, rather than just calling us we're skills training and we're, you know, giving them like a bunch of dribble moves and a bunch of combos, um, you know, we really break it down to, to a T where we give give each player two to three skills within the hour and we're patient enough to see if they can obtain those skills and master those skills within the hour some do some don't but the, the beauty is they have the blueprint so they can go home they can do it on their the, on their own um, and it just gives them it, it makes them be a little bit more organized with their workouts i know for me i fell in love with it the first time i saw gary working with tim I was shocked when I found out that there are actually people out there who were vehemently against skills training. <laughs> they claim it's either a waste of time or it doesn't work. I mean, if you have two eyes and a couple brain cells that rub together, it's pretty obvious that that's not the case. Um, so why do you think skills training is important? And what would you say to someone who believes otherwise? It's more of an individual workout where you're not just con being in condition with a, with a basketball, meaning you're just trying to sweat and get a bunch of reps of shooting. Um, which, again, is important, but, um, you know, our definition of skill enhancement training is that we train for game-specific skills, um, traits, and characteristics, um, meaning we, we, we do stuff with our, with our hands, with our feet, our body position, our hips, um, to be able to be put into positions we see, what we call, which we call snapshots, you know, when we watch the game, to just get our players to feel what those pros are feeling and just, you know, try to give them the proper footwork that we see. Um, and we label everything. You know, we have TVs on the wall where we can film on our phone and we can show them directly instead of just telling them because a lot of people now are visual learners, um, including myself. And um, that's a huge advantage that us skill enhancement training trainers have uh, for, for our players. I also think it's a really underrated aspect of what you guys do because it's feedback in real time. And I think, especially for my kids, being able to see what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, I think it helps them to build better connections, you know, with what you're trying to, to instill in them. Because even if you explain it to them, like you said, being a visual learner, sometimes having that, the video or, or whatever it is to reference makes that connection happen a little bit quicker than just saying, oh, this is what you're doing wrong. Like your foot's in the wrong place. Like, yeah. And so being able to watch themselves do it in real time, I think definitely helps. Would you say that skills enhancement is for everybody? Is, it, is there like a specific target audience that you think would benefit the most from it? I think everybody would benefit from it. Um, you just have to be willing to be okay with failing because there's not a lot of players out there that are, if you're, if, if you're ranked or if you're at a high level, there's not a lot of players that are going to be accepting of, hey, you're doing this wrong, so let's try to fix it, especially in the basketball world because, you know, your athleticism, your height might take you so far, and then you have somebody like me who's 5'5", five, five, <laughs> uh, training, you know, like a 6'6 six, six guy, um, you know, like, well, you, you're not in the position I was or I'm in, um, you know, th those things. But um, I think you just have to be willing to fail, showcase your weaknesses, and just being able to learn. You know, you try to learn every day, and that's what we do. We just feed off knowledge. We give as much knowledge as we can because we're true 
you know, we study the game in deeper moments of just X's and O's. Um, we, we just study the individual players and how they're moving, how do they get their body in this position. That, that would be the big one, you know, be, be acceptance uh, of your weaknesses and, and, and failing. Well, it's funny because that was actually my next question was one of the first things that really blew me away when I got to learn more about the approach that you guys take is how important failure is. I would even say it's maybe one of the core beliefs, right, of, of the impossible approach. And so embracing failure, what, what does that mean specifically? Because I think people listening may have a different understanding than I have having watched it play out in real time. My definition or, or what we're looking at, what we look out for for failure is just the ability to do, you know, those two to three skills that we're going for. So, if, for instance, we're, let's just say we're trying to do some or enhance our hand-eye coordination. So we have different methods doing that, but the one that is kind of like it's getting more comfortable out there is a tennis ball workout. Um, you see Steph Curry doing it all the time. Now, I did tennis ball workouts when I was in, um, a freshman in 2009, and you know, Steph Curry, I believe, was at in college or at that time, but there was no really tennis ball workouts being done around that time. So I'm not saying that, we, you know, we invented that, but we did, you know, we have came along where we've actually, like, you know, instilled and, and done more with the tennis ball. But, um, you know, for, for the hand-eye coordination, you know, trying to be able to bounce the tennis ball and the basketball at the same time while that tennis ball is up in the air, can you do a low crossover after that low crosser, can can you grab that tennis ball? So, you know, I know a lot of people say don't look down when you're dribbling, but you know, if you think about the the term hand eye coordination, your eyes should be looking at your hands, and, and you got to be coordinated enough to do that. But for instance, right there, you know, tennis balls are not game situational, but we understand why we're doing it, um, and that's I think that's another uh, beauty thing that we do is. We always have a purpose and definition of why we're doing something and what we're doing it for. Um, so we're not just like, hey, I saw this. It works. Do it. You know? <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, that's what, what I would say with the skills and, and you know, just the, the brief example of the hand-eye coordination workouts that we do. What really impresses me is just the sheer range of skill levels that you guys have worked with. You know, I've seen a variety of top tier high school players here in the gym, uh, college players, and then <laughs> then you got my kids coming in. Maybe soon at the other be, end of- soon to be uh, number one. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. So, in terms of your clients, you've also worked with some high profile individuals, correct? Either NBA players or, or D one recruits. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been blessed to um, expand my horizon, but. Uh, but yeah, no, those are fun. <laughs> so what would you say stands out from those specific experiences, right? Because you're talking about the, the best of the best, either at the college or the professional level. So there has to be, I don't know, a, a different level of absorption, right? Like, do, do you feel like the MBA or the, the college kids pick up things quicker or do they present maybe different challenges working with them versus kids or high school players? You know, it's actually kind of easier working with pros and the college simply because they have a lot of weaknesses. They have a lot of flaws in their game. So I know it looks like, you know, they're untouchable and they're they're crazy good at everything they do because you see all what's going on in front of you, but behind the scenes, their hand-eye coordination might not be up to the level or, you know, their dribble step timing might not be in sync. Um, and these are the, the intangibles and those little details that we that we try to look for. But me saying that it's a little bit easier, they don't have the raw skill. A lot of them don't because maybe they were blessed with a lot of height. They were blessed with a lot of athleticism or they just have some natural talent when they were born, you know, that they kind of just thrived on. And that's what got them to this point in time. Me personally, I like dealing with the kids, especially at a younger level, you know, for let's, you know, for instance, you know, with your kids, um, you know, we started with Tim, I want to say it was around like eight, uh, maybe even younger. Um, and then your, your, your youngest Jack, I know he started at six, but it's, it's easier because they haven't developed any good or bad habits. So if you can give them the right motor skills and give them the right the, the right skills that we're aiming for through our checklist, you know, and we have 700 skills and methods that we go to each time we work out, something new is always different. Um, they never repeat a workout, but it's easier for them because 
now you know they get it and they're like oh what's the next challenge what's the next challenge so they're kind of like foaming at the mouth where that's where you can overload the skills which we call skill stacking so it's easier to do it with the kids because they're so skilled and they absorb so much you know with the high level guys you kind of have to take it down a notch because they're not used to the skill enhancement training with us Right. And I would say for them, too, they sort of come in preloaded with an awareness that maybe younger players don't have. Right. Like they, you said, like you can focus on a very specific skill or weakness in their games. So I, I would imagine that's a benefit that you can have different conversations with them that like, you know, hey, they're going to know they're going to speak the language maybe already. Yeah. Versus the younger ones. But I yeah. know for me, one of the fun things just seeing Jack, my youngest son's development is in just the, the what year or two years, I guess, that, that he's been working with. A you. year. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very apparent the development that he's made with the pros or, or the college guys. Have you had any experiences where, you know, let's say you started working out with a, with a, a guy or a girl and you've seen development on their end too, where maybe now like things that you notice if you watch them playing, like anything that stands out. I know there's a guy who plays for, for my favorite team who put up 40 the other night. And uh, that's, you guys have to have a hand in that, I would assume, right? Yeah. So it's actually funny. I was just about to say that, um, you know, I had the pleasure to go uh, fly down to Miami. Um, and this is when uh, Victor Oladipo was with Indiana Pacers at the time. But um, I had the pleasure to work out with Victor Oladipo and Bryce Stanhope. And uh, uh, even prior before that, Vic, this was Vic's second, I would say, second summer working out with us. But his first summer um, when he decided to go all in on skill enhancement training, because, again, you got to think about it. Vic is a six three six four guard who at his time at indiana was super athletic he didn't really have a lot of skills so he just worked on his quickness and his athleticism getting to the rim he's a super high flyer but again as your body ages you can't you can't do all that stuff so in his mind um he understood you know hey my body's getting older i got to rely on you know outside shooting if i want to stay in the league longer and he, he was to the point where i could definitely develop more skills so um, i remember specifically talking to michael lancaster who started with victor oladipo and him saying you know as simple as dribble step timing so you know, simply to break that down, it's me dribbling left hand on my right foot. So if you ever, ever kind of watch players, when they dribble the ball, you'll always see the balls in their left hand. You should see the ball always hit the floor at the at the at almost the exact same time as their right foot hits the floor. And then when the ball comes up, you'll see their left foot go on the floor. Um, this is just going to naturally keep you in sync and in rhythm as you walk, jog, or sprint. And Micah said that... Um, his, his timing was way off. And for a player of that caliber who was a second round draft pick, maybe even a first, but just just that little detail and, and that small that small skill was missing. Once he obtained it, he started reacting a lot differently to, you know, maybe a double team, maybe a defender who cut him off because this situation you can change directions quicker, you have a better sense of, you know, stopping or going into a shot just because that timing is in sync. And, you know, that's a very important skill that I think over, you know, not a lot of people see or they overlook. And, you know, as a NBA professional, he was missing that once he got that skill, he got, you know, like I said, everything, his reaction time just became quicker. But no, it was it was fun being being down there with with Bryce and Vic. And uh, Vic is a very funny dude, even like after his rep. You know, he would laugh, joke around, he would sing. But during his rep, everything like it just you just saw it click. Um, it was game mode, whatever, whatever we were giving him at that time, everything just went straight focus. Then after the rep, you know, he would shake it off or he would understand what he did right, what he did wrong, have a little laugh, a uh, quick joke, and then back to it. The big thing that I got from Vic was just his mindset and his mentality of there would be some days where he wouldn't bring in a, um, a stereo to listen to when he's working out. Or some days he would bring it in and he would he would turn on like jazz music or something that wouldn't get him hype. And his thought process behind this is when I'm on the road, you know, let's say, you know, in California or wherever they're playing, they're not always going to play the hype up songs for the visitor's team. So you have to find your, your own self-motivation and, and, you know, you have to find whatever gets you going. So... You know, if, if it's if it's jazz music, if it's, you know, some opera, you know, if that if, if that's what you have to listen to do your workout, that might have to uh, 
that's what they might play in the uh, the uh, visiting arena. So just that little, you know, that mental check right there, you know, that that blew me away. Uh, that was that was uh, a good tip from Vic. <laughs> well, no, and it's definitely a super smart thing to do. And he strikes me as a particularly cerebral guy. And I know jazz specifically does something to the brain, right? Like it, it unlocks some creativity and it helps focus. I know for me, writing wise. I can't I can't imagine writing without music in the background and I have different you know different styles different things that I'll bring in you know classical music is a big deal so I'm not surprised to see that also make its way into sports and, and training and for what it's worth Vic seems like a really easy guy to root for I know oh, yeah. you know he was on our radar even before he got to Miami but once he became a member of the Heat I think Heather was the biggest cheerleader in the house for him <laughs> once once he was on board you know and, and really anytime there was positive updates regarding his uh his recovery and stuff was taken really well in the house and then to see him you know finally make it to the floor and, and look great and have that that phenomenal game the other night it was uh it was exciting for us and it's great to hear you talk about you know the, the fact that there were some deficiencies in his game and that you know he had despite just the raw athletic ability and natural talent that there were things that he could work on because i know it's frustrating for me to hear people have this misnomer of oh well you know a guy like Kyrie or a guy like steph curry it just comes naturally to them and i think that's a load of crap because yes there's got to be some sort of innate natural talent right that that does help to separate them Mm -hmm. but it completely discredits the work that they put in i mean yeah yeah yeah. no i mean you're you're absolutely right um because i think from the average eye you only get to see the show right so whatever's broadcast and in in front of you our jobs as trainers um we get to see what's behind the scenes you know the the uh the waking up in the morning the the failure the struggle and you know these guys put themselves through a lot you know even through in season and off season you know because they're always trying to find new ways to to get better simply at that to your point i think people just only see what's live um, and they don't get to see the beauty behind the scene, behind the curtain, um, as they, you know, work and, and they try to, you know, de- develop their game to the highest level that they ca- possibly can. Yeah, there's like a disconnect, I feel, where people don't understand, like, especially a guy like Vic or P.J. Tucker on the Heat. We just saw something recently where they were discussing the challenges they faced just in their upbringings, not even just with basketball, but just life in general. And, you you know, it's easy to forget, like, oh, these guys are, you know, multimillionaires or superstars or whatever. But, you know, some of them really had to fight and claw their way to get there. And it just frustrates me, you know, to see how dismissive and flippant people can be with like oh well you know it must be easy for them and it's not you know especially a guy like Steph or or Kyrie I think that's what mastery of a craft really is right it's it's when you're able to make it look completely effortless when it's anything but Mm -hmm. um and so I know for those guys there, there has to be more to their stories in terms of the work they put in the training they do and everything obviously I can't speak for anybody but myself and my kids but you know, Tim, Sarah, and Jack, they've had this dream of of playing professionally or playing in college. And to see the development they've made so far, it sort of speaks for itself. I mean, all three of them have made travel teams or competitive teams a year, if not two years older. I know Jack's a seven-year-old playing on a 9U team. And I credit that entirely to the work that they've done with you and Gary. And what's funny is, both Tim and Sarah's first ever skill sessions were with Gary. And within like the first two or three, it just so happened that at the facility, they were the only ones that showed up for that session. So it wound up being a private one. And I remember with Sarah specifically, he did this like two ball drill with her. And I was like, oh man, there's no way she's going to be able to do that with one ball, let alone two. And she did. And it was crazy. Um, But speaking specifically about Gary, what's it like working with him and and sort of co-training together in the hoop lab? Oh, man, I, I'm originally from Michigan, but Gary and I are literally the long lost brothers. Um, it's it's a uh, it's been so fun. Um, you know, we've just passed our one year anniversary and uh, just working with Gary for that year. I mean, it's it's uh, I can't believe I've gone this long without him. No, man, we thrive off of each other. Um, you know, he he said it the other day, you know, um, he learns from me on the court of the skill enhancement and I and learning everything off of the court from him, um, you know, uh, business-wise, podcast-wise. Um, I'm helping him out with his social media. He's, his social media game's a little weak, but uh, but no, man, it's fun. It's 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 a joy to wake up, uh, you know, to do 
to do what you love every day for the job, you know, for your job and for your career, but to do it with somebody who shares the same passion and the same ideas and you can constantly have great days with them and you can explore and experiment, you know, that's just the icing on, on the cake. Um, you know, I, I'm so blessed that Gary's here. Yeah, man, it's every day is something new, um, whether, you know, we create our own language, we, we mess with the kids, uh, the kids mess with us. Man, no, it's fun. It's it's truly. Uh, I don't know where I would be without Gary, man. No, it's it's good. It's pink lemonade, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, let's rewind a little bit and talk about how Hoop Lab came to be. Uh, so you moved to Jersey from Michigan when? I moved to New Jersey in 2017 October, I believe it was. Okay, so October 2017. Can you walk us through the timeline uh, of you know how you wound up coming out here in the first place, and then everything that sort of rolled yeah, through? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a potential uh, partnering with a gym um, located just just south um, in Tom's River, and um, you know they wanted to partner with I'm Possible and, and become a licensing uh, gym, and for some odd reason. <laughs> Uh, they requested me to be uh, to be the head trainer, and um, like I said, I, I just started around like 2016, so I don't even think I had a full year of skill enhancement training under me. But um, talking with Micah, talking with the uh, the owner um, of the of the New Jersey gym, and um, you know my family, you know we we came to the the conclusion of it's a win win, um, meaning. If it if I move out, it works. It works great. If I move out and it doesn't work, I just come back and you know work at the world headquarters again under Micah. Um, so the I think the uh, the turning point was um, Bryce Bryce Stanhope was out here. Um, he's a he's a Michigan guy. Um, we actually played in the same um, the same conference in New Jersey or in Michigan in college. But um, he was actually four years older than I was. So. Um, when I was going to be a fr- when I was a freshman, he was actually going to be a senior, but he you know moved to New Jersey and started training right then. Uh, so I didn't get actually a chance to play him, but I knew him growing up. But yeah, so I, you know I went on a limb. I was like you know let's do it. Everything was going great, um, and then you know my friend Bryce. End up moving to Miami because your guy Victor Oladipo partnered with Impossible, and uh, they created the uh, the Victor Oladipo Skill Lab underneath. You know, with 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 Micah and and Vic and Bryce actually had to be the uh, got got the opportunity to be the head trainer down in Miami. So so he moved, um, which put me in Bryce's position. And um, you know, it that that was hard for me because you know Bryce was you know that guy that I kind of like was my family out here I don't I didn't have anybody um it was just me so you know me going into Bryce's position um you know I kind of was you know what was I 25 at the time um I was you know feeling a little homesick everything you know all my friends family is in Michigan so I I I was actually um I was actually gonna move back and um talking to Micah talking to my family you know I decided to see if I could just do it one more year on my own, see if I can, you know, cause there was a lot of, there's a lot of relationships and bonds that I created out here, just being out here for two years. And, um, so I was like, you know, what the heck, let's try it. And, um, that's where I started renting, um, renting gyms and, and just meeting more clientele, having the same clients, you know, that I met, um, having the same relationships and, um, yeah, man, it, and it ended up working out and I ended up finding a great location and, that's when you know I kind of just put all my chips in and started building Hoop Lab. And uh, during my time when I when um, you know I, I kind of filled in for Bryce, that's when I met Gary. Um, Gary is a, a local New Jersey guy, and um, you know his daughter went through the process, which is really awesome because she got a Division One scholarship to play at Kent State University, so she's been through the the program. But um, but yeah, so started the uh, the Hoop Lab journey and. Um, you know, I, well, I started my own business in 2019, my own LLC, but um, the Hoop Lab, you know, kind of just uh, developed from there, and you know, that's where we are. Well, I know for me, uh, me and Heather specifically, we couldn't be more grateful that you made the decision to stay because I didn't know what we were going to do without you, and uh, <laughs> it was going to be a very long drive to get to Michigan to do uh, training, man. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm grateful that you stayed local, and actually, it's cool. I, I I'm sure that there's. 
a certain built-in level of, of competition within, you know, the field that you're in. It's also collaborative, right? Uh, like, obviously, like we said, you know, you, you got involved with Gary. I know when you were at Monroe, that was where we met Sarah Desner, and that's just been an incredible experience for us, for Sarah, uh, my daughter Sarah, because, you know, she was able to try out for and, and make her Shore Aces team, and that's just been the highlight of Sarah's basketball experience. And then, you know, just other people and places and stuff. But it's really cool that you have your own place specifically. First of all, congratulations and happy anniversary on that. <laughs> I, remember, I remember coming in and getting to check it out as it was literally being built. And, you know, the, the super amazing floor that you guys got put in and, and the hoops and stuff. What does the future look like for Hoop Lab? Because right now you guys are doing skills training programs, like classes and uh, private trainings and stuff. What do you guys have on the horizon in terms of, you know, programs and stuff? Um, right now, I mean, um, you know, I still, I still believe there's a, you know, a, a disconnect with uh, players and parents out here of actually what's, what skill enhancement training is um, and what we do. Um, I think a lot of people have a sense since, you know, Bryce has been out here for, you know, I think like five, five, six years. And then, you know, I kind of took over, but there's nothing really, there's, I don't think there's anybody, well, I know that there's nobody in New Jersey that, that does what Gary and I do. And, uh, so right now, I mean, I think, you know, just keep getting the word out, um, of, you know, how this will actually develop your player skill wise um, rather than getting him just like I said you know before um, a conditioning workout a basketball you know running with the basketball that I would say just keep getting the word out I know that you know I have some plans I think New Jersey they have and and I'm, I'm I know I'm just I'm just kidding here but uh, I feel like every week there's a new AAU team that pops up um, so I know that they they love their hoops out here I think they're just maybe doing it in a wrong direction, if you if you if you can say that, um, because the way that you know I grew up and how Michigan is, there's not a lot of AAU teams, but there's also a lot of open gym time and there's also a lot of time to play three on three, which I think is missing in New Jersey. So, you know, my my vision, my goal is to hopefully start a a three on three tournament in the summer outside where you're playing in the sun um on concrete you know you're building your toughness or your aggression um and um in three on three you can't really hide so on five on five when you're playing full court um you know you get a chance to kind of just run to the corner and stand there and just watch uh you know the the the, the naturals or you know the, the the people that put in the time with the ball but on a three on three you know you're in a half court you have one sub you can't hide. <laughs> um, and it's, it's good because you get to a lot of the individual time and you get to work on, you know, more of like the one-on-one. I know bas- I know they say basketball is a five-man sport, but when you actually, you know, break it down, you know, there's four people on defense or there's four people on help side. One person's guarding you. You have to get by your guy to create for others. So and technically in that, you it's one-on-one. I have to beat this guy. You know, if I can beat this guy, that's going to draw a double team. Then I can dish it out, you know, for an open shot or maybe have, you know, him, my, my next player, create a play. Um, so I think, um, you know, just in that aspect, um, I think that's what New Jersey's missing. And that's what, um, you know, I hope to bring here. And um, I think players are going to get a lot more out of it simply because you're not traveling, let's say, to other states. And, you know, you have four games on the schedule, but maybe you average, you know, five minutes the whole weekend. So it's almost like I don't want to call it a waste, but it's almost like, you know, you're kind of just wasting time just traveling, sitting and maybe, you know, dribbling the ball a couple of times, maybe getting one or three shots up the whole weekend and then calling it calling it a weekend. Um, So that's my big vision right now. That's the big goal. You know, hopefully we can, uh, after that, make a uh, empire out here of, of Hoop Lab and uh, just get, you know, a, a big enough court where we can, uh, you know, we can do our, our three-on-threes inside, get more get more rims in here, and obviously just keep, keep growing. Yeah, I know for me, the one event I would love to see in terms of, like, the NBA and the WNBA would be a crossover event with, you know, like, a three-on-three tournament because I think just the talent on both sides. Imagine Sue Bird and Stewie, you know, paired up with, uh, like, Carl Anthony Towns, right, going up against whoever. Like, it it would be a lot of fun, and I agree. I know growing up in Brooklyn, they had the Hoop It Up tournament, which was always a big deal. And you've seen in recent years the explosion of, you know, maybe not celebrity, right, but, like, more high-profile three-on-three 
on three tournaments and stuff. And I definitely think the format works. And yeah, that'd be cool. You just they got to clear out all the McLarens and uh, the Lambos <laughs> from the parking lot if you guys are going to do it out there. You know, it's funny. I'm actually uh, those are those are big basketball fans. So I, I'm sure they would even get their own team and uh, close down for the weekend <laughs> just to play in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever helps. All right. So something a little fun here. You've been in Jersey for a minute now, long enough to make informed decisions about some really critical, important things. You're also a proud Michiganite. Michiganite? Michiganian? Michigander. Michigander. Okay. Yeah, there you a go. proud Michigan. Not a Uper, right? You're Not a Uper. The, nope. The Southwest of. Uh, <laughs> if I was a Uper, I'd be hunting and fishing in the in the in the freezing snow on the lakes but that's not me i don't like the cold (laughs) so let's do a quick game of who does it better all right between michigan and jersey Mm. and again these are the things that some people live and die by so we'll start with the easy stuff we'll we'll go with bagels first who do you you got uh i gotta go with new jersey i I don't remember having really any bagels bagels are not huge in michigan so definitely new jersey what's the go-to if you have a, a favorite bagel oh man a chocolate chip bagel, and I put egg and bacon and just load that thing up with uh, with meat and uh, red hot. Definitely red hot. Let's go. <laughs> How about pizza? Oh, this is a tough one for me because uh, being in Michigan, I was introduced to deep dish. Oh, man. I would have to go with uh, with Michigan on that one. I know, um, you know, like the, the slices out here are, are thin and I don't know, like to me, when you pick up a pizza, a, a piece of pizza, um, you want that thing to kind of like not fold over. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, I always have to ask now for like um, extra meat or I don't even know, like well done um, and just get them crispy. But yeah, I'd have to go to Michigan on that. <laughs> well, it's funny. The first family road trip Heather and I did with Tim, he was, I don't know, maybe 15 months old or something like that. But we went up to, to Chicago. We ultimately did Chicago, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. But that was my first time having like legit deep dish pizza. Mm. And it's weird. Obviously, it's pizza, but there's so much going on there. I don't even know if I would consider it pizza. It's like a meal unto itself, you know? Um, So, yeah. But I've noticed recently, too, like, all of a sudden, there was, like, a Detroit-style pizza, and there was another random one recently that, like, I don't know, I kind of feel like everybody's starting to get in the game where, you know, they're trying to lay claim to their own different styles of pizza. Yeah. I don't know anything about the Detroit style, but that Chicago deep dish right there, whew, that, that thing will fill you up for like a week. <laughs> now, this one I'm actually torn on because I don't know what my answer would be. What about beer? I, I don't know if you're a big beer guy, but you know we, we've talked a couple of times about different breweries and stuff. What, what do you got there? Uh, you know, I'm actually... I was actually never into like the, the brewery beer. You know, I didn't start drinking until phew, like I was like almost out of college. Like it was crazy. Now that I'm a little bit older and I'm, I'm expanding my horizons, I know Grand Rapids has founders, and I love I love the um, the Robeus that they have. Um, I just I don't think I've been to many breweries out here yet, so I'd have to say Michigan on that one. All right, hey, well, you know what? Hey, maybe we change that this year, right? Yeah, let's do it. We got to get back out there. All right. <laughs> Now, this one might sound random, but I, I think it's important. How about the seasons, right? So you're you're a beach guy now, living here. Mm. So would you take a, a Michigan summer or a Jersey summer? Oh, definitely a New Jersey summer. Um, even though, like, in the summers, that's, like, my crazy time working out players, definitely I would say New Jersey. You know, even at night, it's, you have that, like, nice little maybe breeze or no breeze at all, but it's, like, you can open up all the doors and the windows and, you know, kind of just relax with it. But, uh, yeah, and, and you have the ocean out here, which is nice. I mean, my when I lived in Michigan, we were probably like 30 minutes away from Lake Michigan. To me, that was a beach, but actually living in New Jersey, this is a beach. <laughs> but New Jersey on that one. Yeah, but I don't think people realize just how ridiculously huge the Great Lakes actually are. Like, when you're there, like, it looks like you're looking out at the ocean. Even Lake Erie, if you're in Cleveland, you know, you're looking up that way. Yeah. Uh, and I can only imagine you know in the summer lake michigan's got to be super busy and uh and popping yeah yeah there's a lot to do over in uh they call it grand haven i mean it's it's almost just like a any any beach town in new jersey i mean it when it's when it's winter nothing going on but as soon as that spring hits that thing is flooded (laughs) now i'm biased as a photographer because i love fall in and around new england new jersey new york are are really good but like if you can get up to vermont or maine especially like the the colors and stuff are nuts what's autumn like in in michigan autumn to me in michigan is football season okay oh okay (laughs) uh so me growing up 
you just kind of got pumped because it's college football. You got to play football. I would say autumn in Michigan is probably one of my favorite uh, seasons right there. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I know, this guy I'm looking at here probably would love it up there, right? A little <laughs> bit cooler. Yeah, Apollo is uh, is my uh, four-legged son. Uh, this is my uh, dog here. But uh, he likes, you know, it's funny, he loves to swim. So anywhere that there's water, that dog just jumps right in. <laughs> and he's a little bit of an internet social media sensation himself, isn't he? He has his own IG page, right? He does have his own IG page. Uh, people hype him up. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> Well, I tell people all the time that my kids wouldn't be where they are without you and the work that you and Gary have done with them over the past few years. You guys are helping them have a realistic chance of realizing a dream that, I mean, I had as a kid. So it's like twice as important to me. But someday they, they want to be college or maybe even professional players. And I just want you to know that Heather and I and, and all five of us are fans for life, man. Um, and hopefully someday they'll be giving you a shout out from a, a, a draft night stage. <laughs> so I wanted to thank you for all the time that you've put in with them and just to tell you guys how excited we are to see the process so far and to be as excited as we are about what's coming up for the future. But for other people, potential clients or anyone who's who's interested in learning more about either skills enhancement or just the Hoop Lab, um, what's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you guys and uh, to get info? Uh, well, first, uh, I want to give a shout out to you and Heather because, you know, there was days when it's 87 degrees on a Saturday at, you know, noon and you know, like you stated earlier, you guys are the only only ones in the gym with us. Um, so, I mean, just that dedication alone, just even from the kids saying, hey, let's go work out, you know, that's huge. Um, and I don't think a lot of players have that mentality or that drive because, you know, in New Jersey, you know, if you're born here, um, I feel like, you know, when the summer hits, you, you want to go out to the beach, which is fine. But your kids stand out alone. Um, and and even just from, from you and Heather, man, just um, dedicating your time, sacrificing some, you know, your Saturday, Saturdays, Sundays. Um, you know, we can't thank you guys enough. You guys are the... Uh, the prototypical gym rats, <laughs> yeah, the three and you and Heather. <laughs> no, well, I appreciate that because I feel like I just have to be hard on my kids. Like it's tough for me. It's not tough for me to, to see, you know, their progress and see their hard work and appreciate it. It's more looking ahead. You know, like I try not to buy into any hype with them because I feel like that's a slippery slope. You know, when you start thinking that your kids are the best or whatever, it just, for me, it's detrimental. So I got to tell you, I know they especially appreciate it, you know, when you guys give them credit or, or give them, you know, a, a little confidence boost, because it makes it easier for me to, you know, take a breath and, and not be so hard on them. But I remember one time, you know, I was, I just gotten done yelling at them for, you know, messing up with their layups and, and not focusing, you know, forget about finishing with their offhand, just finishing, you know, with their, their main hand. And uh, they came out after a session and they were like oh dad the guy in the eagles uniform uh the guy in the eagles uh sweatpants and hoodie was telling us how great we were with our layups and stuff and i was like what are you talking about and i look at it's darius slay from the <laughs> philadelphia eagles and i was like all right you know what he's more of an expert on uh athleticism than i'll ever be so maybe i can you know give you guys a little more credit than i was giving you yeah but no i remember that day um you know it was um it was funny because we you just had that conversation with me i remember that and uh you know the um, from a from even a NFL star, <laughs> um, you know, complimenting your kids. Um, like I said, they're 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 one of the hardest workers. Your your kids are so that was good to see. And then you just saw you know their confidence boost and. Um, yeah, no, man, it was, uh, that was good. <laughs> I like that. Well, it, it was a turning point for me, actually, because I realized I was like, all right, there's got to be more middle ground here because I don't want them to wind up resenting me as, you know, a taskmaster and I'm constantly, you know, on them. I, I felt like I needed to reflect a little better and find a way to give them more encouragement and to accept, you know, maybe off days, right? Or, or you know, understanding that it may be two steps forward and one step back, but they're still making progress, you know? And so I, I'm, I'm learning too, man. This is a process for everybody. And so it, it's important for me to be reflective and, and to be able to uh, adjust in the process. But I also, aside from wanting to thank you for coming onto my podcast, I wanted to give you guys a shout out. Can you tell us a little bit about the Dish and Dimes podcast? Yeah. So um, we actually just released our, our 12th episode. Uh, it's going really, really well. Um, you know, Dish and Dimes is about 
how we kind of go through skill enhancement, but more importantly, how we kind of just, we're just kind of spreading our voice to maybe help players, but ultimately we're just trying to change the mindset for parents of how to look at the game of basketball. Because I think basketball itself, a lot of people say it's an easy sport and you just got to shoot, you know, and, and just put the ball in the bucket, but it's more complex than that. You know, what we really break down, we go through different different uh, topics every every week. You know, the feedback that we've got from a lot of parents changing their mindset of maybe putting a lot of pressure on the kids or not allowing them to fail. Um, they've kind of stepped, not even one step back, but they've, they've taken a multiple, st- multiple steps back of like, hey, you know, maybe I should take it a little bit easy because you kind of have to remember as a parent, you know, when you were a kid, you didn't you didn't succeed right away you know there was a lot of failures and and probably even you know now like you know if you're and i mentioned this on one of my podcasts um you know getting a you know maybe getting a job or getting to a high level um you had to go through some ups and downs some failures to get where you are now and if you try to only make everything right for your kid they're going to be afraid to fail and they're going to be constantly um, afraid of taking risk where you know if you're a risk taker you know there's you can learn from it and you have to learn from your failures to 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 succeed but a lot of uh, we we choose a different topic every week um and we really break it down to to help any and all listeners from parents players um we have we have a great following overseas and um yeah no like you know like i said the feedback's been great um every week you know gary and i we get on there and and we do our thing (laughs) well i mean since saint patrick's day alone i can think of three different instances where i came into the lab and there was a parent that was talking to one of you guys and saying oh man like i gotta thank you like i listened to that podcast and i really took a hard look in the mirror and like it made me you know change and one guy was surprised because i know he was harder on his daughter who's a phenomenal player i mean just watching her progress through here has been amazing um but even he was like you know what there's things that i need to change and i know it's frustrating (laughs) see this is where I i was stuck in this like weird gray zone i guess because there was a parent that i've seen at different skills training sessions not just here but you know at monroe and other places who is really 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 tough on their kid and what bothered me about it was sometimes it's abusive language or sometimes it's just you know being unable to give praise where it's due and accept maybe mistakes or shortcomings along the way. And so I do think that your podcast is having a positive impact in that regard, because even though that that parent's the only one that I've seen, I'm sure there are plenty more that go at their kids the exact same way. You know, for me, I've always been incredibly driven, just innately driven. I've Mm -hmm. never needed I, I shouldn't say I've never, but there came a point where I stopped needing my parents, my coaches, my teachers to motivate me. It, it was always inborn. I have the opposite problem, and that's where Heather and I are good balance because she knows how to relax. I just learned that that's a thing, apparently. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't do that very well. <laughs> and so with me and my kids, that's really more what it is. It's like I never let myself really take a day off. I've had to learn to accept that with them. And that's something that I think, you know, you guys have covered on the podcast. And I think it's really important for people to learn because I, I know it's something that I had to. Yeah. And uh, I think that's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to your point, I mean, I think, um, you know, there was a time there's always going to be a time where something clicks. Right. So you just said that you had that moment. I can specifically remember mine was going into my eighth grade year and I kept getting a cramp um, and it was because I kept drinking pop uh, or soda for you New Jersey, you uh, <laughs> East Coast people. It just kind of clicked to me like, hey, I don't like this feeling when I'm working out. So how do I avoid this feeling? Stop drinking it. So that was, you know, kind of the mindset, but it took me until eighth grade to kind of do everything on my own. So, you know, that's what I try to tell parents like, hey, listen, like, you're putting a lot of pressure on your nine-year-olds, your 10-year-olds, let them, you know, it's okay to like challenge them mentally and, and, you know, kind of put them through a a physical workout or whatever, but you kind of just have to let them experiment and experience things on their own because it, it might, it might be until their eighth grade year. It might not even be until, you know, they get to senior and everything clicks. So you never know when it's going to click. I don't know if you remember your click, your click moment, but it, it took, you know, a while. It took some time. Um, and that's the big thing that we just try to tell a lot of parents, you know, it's they're not going to they're not going to win their 10 year old championship and remember it when they're a senior. Really, that's awesome at 10 years old. But what are you actually accomplishing? You know, you get a, a cotton T-shirt uh, that says champions on it or you get your picture taken. But like I said, you know, when it when it's when it's when you're a senior, you can't relive you can't rely on 
hey, college coach, I won this championship when I was 10 years old, um, but I don't really have anything to do now. So you kind of just want to be able to, you have to look for the future. And I know that's hard because you're living in the now, especially with uh, players. You just always have to have that future in mind. Like, hey, I know I'm doing this for a certain reason. Yeah, no, the why is is super important. I just read uh, Chris Bosch's book. I don't know if you've checked that out, but if not, I would highly recommend it because that's one of the things he goes into. It's it's about finding your motivation, but it's got to go beyond just the simplistic stuff, right? The fame, the money, the celebrity, all the stuff that goes along with it. You got to have something that really burns in your belly. And I mean, I don't even know if personally I ever had the why moment. I remember in kindergarten coming home with my first test in tears because I got an 88 and I didn't get 100. (laughs) My mom tells me that all the time. And that's just but that's the problem for me is that's my mentality. I've oh, I've literally always been that way. And so it's been sort of horrifying when I'm like, oh, crap, well, how do I translate that desire to my kids without burning them out? Because that's the biggest fear is I don't ever want them to resent me. I don't ever want them to resent the sport. And it's trying to find a balance. Like, that's why they do flag football, right? Mm-hmm. It's tough now because, you know, we've got all the AAU teams and practices and stuff. But it's important that they have that outlet, too, you know, yeah. where they're just with their friends. And it's not that they don't work hard because they do. They work just as hard in flag practice as they do AAU or travel or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that you guys really foster a, a positive, healthy mental attitude here where you don't, you guys don't accept anything less than their best, but it's it's never approached in a negative way. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, hey, some days you, you got it, some days you don't. This is the bar and it's not going any lower. And yeah. that's, I think that's really, really important, especially for kids and to understand. Yeah, and that's the two biggest things that we ask every, you know, is just their energy and their effort. Uh, we could care less how many times you fail. We could care, you know, it's awesome to see you succeed, but there's a, there's a fine point of like you succeeding and not giving it your full effort or your energy, right? So it's like me walking through a, through a method or a drill and me making every shot, like that's great, but I'm doing it at a very slow walking pace. Like I'm, I'm trying to be very cautious and not make mistakes. We don't want that. We want full energy and effort, you know, and that's all we ask. Yeah, and, and I know it's it's crazy because when we started, when Tim started, there was a kid, Remy, in the class, and I was like, okay, that's that's my target. Like when Tim is that kid's age, I want him to, to be able to do certain things or look a certain way. And he's met and, and surpassed that. And then, you know, you look at Sarah, too. I think she gets overlooked a lot because she's a girl and because, you know, maybe just how she looks. And so to see her be able to come in and, and do things with both hands. And Jack, if there is one testament to the work that you guys have put in with him, it's the sheer number of compliments that he's gotten on his left hand. Because <laughs> I, I just showed a video recently of his first skills training session with you, and he couldn't do anything with his right hand, and that was his dominant one. Yeah. So the fact that he's able to do all that that stuff now you know it's because of just the the full picture you know everything that you guys promote and and the philosophies and and then just the hard work and i'm grateful for the years that we've had so far and i'm really excited and looking forward to everything that's coming up yeah no i'm, I'm excited and i'm especially thankful for today i know you know you've got a lot going on and the the fact that you were able to, to take time to to talk to me on my little podcast here i really really appreciate it so i want to say thank you to zach leach uh and to gary linton for for letting me temporarily <laughs> you know use his space at the hoop lab uh hopefully we'll get gary on soon too huh yeah let's do, do it do a crossover event let's um, do it but thank you for talking to me on the mishmash podcast and thank you to everybody for listening wherever and whenever you are